Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, JackieCation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so, I think, does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Hey, Jackie Cation, in my garage, with me, Chicago, clearly a native, uh, and stand-up comedy podcaster, Sean Bear Flannery. Sean, I forgot to ask, you do stand-up, right? I do stand up, yes, very much there we so. Go. I was like, <laughs> "What just happened?" Yeah. So we we met through other channels, and I was yeah. like, "He looks like any number of young men that I've met in my life uh, doing stand up comedy." <laughs> You're you got the vibe, brother. It's all working for you. But it's, Sean, in the in the cool English uh, Irish way, English, uh, correct? Somebody murder me. S <laughs> e a n bear b a i r Flannery, like Flannery, F l a n n e r y, correct? You got it. So, so uh, at Sean Bear Flannery at, on all the things, your TikTok, your, your Twitter, Instagram, your Instagram, everything, my website, okay. everything. And then, um, and then you and CJ, who's going to be on the next episode, <laughs> have, have a podcast together on Starburns called The Blackout Diaries. Correct. What, and that, what is that, that about? That's actually been a live show in Chicago for 10 years. Oh, wow. And it's stand-up comics plus everyday people telling true drinking stories with photos from the events. So we have like nurses wow. and teachers and cops, like just mm-hmm. a whole like walk Everybody of life. Everybody was willing to share that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like I like that when I was drunk, uh, it was before cameras were invented. Yes. And yes. That's kind of a blessing, right? You know, sure. You, yeah. You see people losing their jobs now or getting you, you see a lot of college students getting thrown out of college. And I'm like, we did that. There was just right. no way to persist those memories. You know that my my brother was a <clears throat> excuse me. My brother Russ is a college professor, mm-hmm. and he has had this conversation more than once at the department level, where he says, "You are a pile of hypocrites yeah. if you kick these people out, because we did this and worse, and don't do it." It's like it's not. I mean, if it's a crime. Besides dr- underage drinking, he's like underage drinking is a crime that is unenforceable. Mm-hmm. So you you but you can't. And I don't I don't know if he saved any kids, but he tried. By God, he's fighting he's, the good fight. He's fighting the good fight for budding alcoholics <laughs> or just someone who wants to whoop it up when they're twenty years old. You know, uh, twenty is the time to do it. Yeah, and you can't think about any of those long-term consequences on a Friday night after you've had 10 beers. You're not thinking about everything that could happen if it were. If if you're lucky, you go to a college that's all walkable, and then you don't ever get into a vehicle because (laughs) you are stumbling around Madison, Wisconsin, which is what I was doing. Uh, And and if you're unlucky, it's 42 below, and you sadly pass out in a in a uh, in 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 a ditch or something or some sort of (laughs) snowbank. But then somebody wakes you up, and you keep walking. And then you get home and you don't die. Anyway, I have at least six of those stories. Here's the good news. Uh, so the Blackout Diaries is a podcast, but it's also – so is it video too? Do you do you put the pictures? We – on our podcast, we tend to use stories that aren't as heavily dependent on the photos just because it, it doesn't translate well to that uh, format. 
So usually in every show, so we're we're weekly in Chicago every Friday, 10 p.m. at the Lincoln Lodge, and um, oh, that's neat. That's a great I would venue. say I would say only half the people actually use photos. The other half, they're like, "There's no photos from this story." <laughs> Thank God, you know. <laughs> and those are right. usually the ones we put on the podcast. <laughs> so I asked you for many, and you gave me a, a nice long list of dorkdoms that you could talk about, and one of them was dive bars, and it's kind of appropriate that I I was like, "Well, then just give me five of something." one of those things mm-hmm. and you came up with like a nice hearty handful of, <laughs> of of bars in chicago that each have their own unique stamp on society what's happening they may or so, may not be uh, the way bars, i right? kind of interpreted yeah. it is a, a lot of people want to talk about the five greatest dive bars. i can talk about dive bars all day jackie and a lot of people want to like what are your five favorite dive bars and the way i like to kind of twist that question is i like to talk about the five dar- dive bars that I find most instructional. Like, like this is how you know you're in a dive bar. Each of them has a classic sign of a dive bar, and then that will help you kind of identify dive bars in new cities and so on. Okay. Now, what do you look for in a – I mean – all I know is that when I walk into a bar, and I do, I obviously I live in stand-up comedy. I'm, uh, I live in Los Angeles, so I do stand-up comedy in like a hat shop mm-hmm. and a lot of bars <laughs> and whatever's available, right? Sure. And so I I did a, a a show in a bar that looked like it used to be just a dirt bag of a bar, but mm-hmm. someone had taken a lot of pledge and a lot of elbow grease. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it sort of fixed like the holes in the walls and it yeah. had replaced the upholstery and I was like, this is the perfect this this will be this is a perfect dive bar this is I mean that, this is that not- sounds like a great dive I mean I think one of the the first things you notice when you walk in is everyone's looking at you because they're so surprised a new person <laughs> walked in. <laughs> Because dive bars are mostly, they don't generate a lot of street traffic, you know? So they're almost, and I think that's why most people don't like them, is it's hard to come over that initial walk into the door where everyone's like, whoa, 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 what's this guy's story? You know? Yeah, yeah. What's this, what's this hipster? And uh, <laughs> I will say I'm from a little factory town in in South Milwaukee, uh, in in Wisconsin called South okay. Milwaukee, in between Cutty and Oak Creek. You'll see the, you'll see the exits as you go to a larger town okay. anyway so uh, but the and i've told this story before but it's there are south walkie is made of it, it, that's literally the building block so south- capital of the world yes and so when i would come home from college i would go to a bar to get away from my parents and um and i had been taught to tip every time you got a drink Sure. And the dive bar people do not want to see that. That is not something that they can live up to. So, hey, city <laughs> mouse, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you got to learn the protocols of the bar. Like some dive bars, you, you know, you kind of want to always tip to make friends yeah. with the, the bartender. But you know what they do at a lot of dive bars is they use the kitty. So you're not really supposed to hand over a tip on each one, but you let the tips keep accumulating so nobody knows how much you're going to tip yet, and you're not sort of like revealing your hand to the other scumbags. And then at the end of the <laughs> night, you slide it all over and take care of the bartender. This is this is a these are tips for career drunks, my friends. <laughs> it is amazing work is being done here. Uh, okay, <clears throat> so let's go to the first one, the one on Western and Montrose, Sunnyside Tap. So I used to live by that one. That is one of that one is still there. Um, I love that bar, and one of the reasons why you know it's a dive bar is, A, it opens at 6 in the morning. Oh, my gosh, yes. It opens at 6 in the morning. What dive, time is bar time in Chicago? Four? I think – well, so Chicago's weird. There's like a two-hour window where the city has to dry up. Like the latest you can have a license till is 4 a.m. Right. And I think you can only have 4 a.m. on the weekends. I don't. Okay. I don't think – you can do that on weekdays, but then there are, but there are only like three bars in the whole city that actually open at six. Okay. But the reason I, f- I consider it such a, a dive thing is they're all super old bars. And I like to think that they're a carryover from, I, I was talking to the owner of Sunnyside Tap about this, actually. It's owned by this couple. They live above the bar. They're in their 70s. And she was saying that bars like that used to be very common in these blue collar neighborhoods because people would have factory jobs. They would Mm -hmm. finish the night shift. They would want a drink before they went home, but they just got off work at five in the morning and these were common. But now 
as we all are sort of move, working in the same hours now, these bars are going away. Right. Right, because there's no third shift. There's no place for the third shift to go and have a shift drink, essentially, mm-hmm. or a couple of beers and then go home and sleep it out. <clears throat> That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. so I I, I kind of like picture it as a bygone error, like, like as it kind of shows – it's kind of one of the sadder aspects of dive bars where it's showed the standardization of America, how we're all working more and more similar jobs, more corporate jobs and so on. And having a drink at six in the morning now is just something straight up alcoholics do because you know? <laughs> there's really like no legitimate reason. I'll tell you something. When I, my last day job was over in Toluca Lake, California, over uh, over near the the Burbank Studios, and there used to be a place called Papu's Hot Dog Show, and all it was was a was an egg and like BLT place, right? Okay. It was just like eggs and bacon for breakfast, BLTs and clubs for lunch, and they had beer, and they opened at six in the morning. Uh, and all the sort of the night watchman guys uh-huh. from the studios and uh, would come and they would sit at the tiniest of all bars. It had like five <laughs> seats. Everybody else bright eyed off to their, you know, whatever job they're going to go mm-hmm. close caption something. And um, the uh, uh, and then those guys would sit up there and drink, you know, a couple of beers and then go home. And, have, yeah. and maybe have breakfast. Right. Maybe have I, eggs or something. I love that. Like, I love having drinks after work with coworkers. Like I, I think it's one of it's one of the things I love about bars is I do think it can in some ways like break down like kind of economic tiers. Like in my day-to-day job, I'm never gonna be in a meeting with the CIO of my day job. Right. But if we're yep. all out having drinks at after work for happy hour, like that's and, somebody and that you might run into. Tends to like the same kind of bars as you. You're like, oh my God. That's Marianne, who's who's in charge of payroll. <laughs> Get to find the secrets, you know? Yeah, right, um, right. That's, that's hilarious. Yes. The other thing I love about the Sunnyside Tap that is another sign that it's a dive bar is they constantly are asking people to quiet down. Like they, they own a dive bar and they don't want it to turn into anything else. They have a pool table there. And one time I was with friends who started a pool game and the owner, I forget her name, but she yells, will you shut that racket down? My husband is trying to sleep upstairs. It's 8 p.m. <laughs> I've been here since six. Uh, so, right. Because uh, yeah. dive bars are quiet. You know, they're for kind of conversations, I feel. Right, you got to solve the world's ills. You got to <laughs> you got to see you got to you got to express an opinion. You got to find out, you know, you got to find out what at what level does metal actually uh melt? Melt. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and can, will jet fuel do that? And well, okay. then that's something I love about dive bars is when when I really fell in love with dive bars is and this is still true to a certain extent. People in dive bars, like a lot of like older people, they're not technology competent so when these questions come up i love that we if we get in a group argument we have to solve it with our own memory of high school chemistry and <laughs> like, like there isn't google to because I, I really hate google i feel google is a conversation killer i'd rather try and explore these topics ourselves and see sure. what answers we come up with okay yeah so but um I I don't mind that. I like trying to, you know, can you remember who that is? Can you remember what that Mm -hmm. was? Can you remember this? And then have that conversation. And then when we all hit that wall, then I grab my phone. Uh, Yeah, I think that's fun to finally declare a kind of, okay, we as a group decided Sean's the winner. Let's actually look at Google. Oh, no, he was flat wrong. Jackie had the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, okay. So that's... Yeah, I would love I would love actually uh, a dive bar that had no cell reception. <laughs> oh, I think it's great. And I hate that we're moving more and more to cell phone. Like I think m- one of the worst habits that's come out of COVID is that nobody has physical menus anymore. Like I kind of oh, hate that cuz I right, it's like right, I QR. you know I came out to eat with friends or drink with friends to get away from my phone. And, and once like, it, my phone is in my hand, I'm not just looking at the menu. Exactly. You're like, "Oh, I got an email. I got and the next thing you know Twitter. you're applying, you know." Yes. And, right. All of a sudden you're at work. Yeah. And uh, you're like, "Yeah, that's an excellent point. I do yeah, I do love a physical menu more than 
more than a QR code. And though I will say one of the things I do like about uh, that came out of lockdown and, and COVID is that everybody's cleaning things a lot more. Well, that's <laughs> including good. Including yeah. the menus. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, wipe that down. Do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And so we were at, I was at Disneyland and, and they were, they literally had 409 on the, on the outside tables. And I was like, good. Not just water, not just some yeah, old yeah. gray rag. <laughs> That'd be that's gross. Anyway, so yeah, so that's the that's the sunny side tap, Western and Montrose. Western in and Chicago. Montrose. In Chicago. Great. These are all in Chicago. Okay. And um so That's in Lincoln that's, Square in Chicago. That's so funny because you have in some of your notes, which are copious, by the way. <laughs> I love that uh, you're like, here's an anecdote about the 1800s. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the the dive bars, it's just something about the beer commercials. Oh, so I, um, I originally wrote a lot of these ideas down for a, a blog. And I thought, you know how we were talking about how bars that open up at 6 a.m. was a sign of factory jobs that have gone away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why dive bars have changed over time and why they're going away or why they're opening up at more normal hours. And I, I've also noticed that it corresponds in a change with beer commercials. Like if you remember beer commercials, you know, I think you and I might be around the same age, but um, if you remember beer commercials from our childhood, it was really, really common for people to work a job in the commercial get off their job, like whistle blows, and then they all just get like blasted on Budweiser or something right, like that. Right. That, that, uh, yeah, that was a, that, the, that was a theme for a little while. And there was, I remember, all I remember is that animated hams bear. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. From the great North uh, woods yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That was really weird too. It's like, is this a kid's commercial here? <laughs> or No, we're selling right. alcohol. <laughs> exactly. Pomegranate vape. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So but now when you watch beer commercials now, it's like everyone seems rich. No one actually has a job and they're always make. It's always young Good, like, like, kind of scruffy looking men who somehow have a choice between, oh, do I want this refrigerator full of Bud Light or this, like, my impossibly hot girlfriend? Sorry, right. I'm going to hang out with the Bud Light. And <laughs> it's like the same trope everywhere you go with beer commercials. And it's like, I consider it like almost like the, like, I don't know, it's like it's showing how society works less and has become more immature. I, obviously, my wife says I read too much into everything. Right, right. That that you certainly have read a lot into that. Because, <laughs> I mean, the crazy thing about cars and beer and liquor and it's always just some dude who is either good. You know, he has regular features. He's, mm -hmm. you know, he's TV good looking. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, Sexy Magoo comes in. <laughs> And, and and then there's also like some fancy car, yeah. And uh, and is like you know when I I like to uh, what is the dos the dosaki commercial? Yeah, is that that older guy? Yeah, who's like you know when I I don't do this a lot, but when I do, it's dos mm -hmm. you know and you're like I think you do do this a lot. <laughs> and uh, the vibe I'm catching from you, brother, is that you're out. You're yeah, out, you're you're on the prowl. <laughs> you're looking for you're looking for it. And uh, so. Here's so you the commercials did I think in the 80s when yuppies kind of got invented or yeah. you know in the early in the early 80s there was um Miami Vice mm -hmm. like there was a lot of suit coats with yeah. t-shirts and and you'll get that that's back a little bit in some of the commercials I've seen for booze where a guy is wearing a suit coat and I was like I can't tell you the last time I saw a guy wear a suit coat, unless it was like some sort of gimmick, right? Like, uh, I'm the comic that wears a suit coat. But like, just <laughs> normal walking around people, guys that go to office jobs, but nobody's gone to an office job in three years. So everyone's exactly. really wearing a polo. You know, they might be wearing a collared shirt. Yeah. Over a T-shirt, yeah, <laughs> and that's that's the whole vibe, you know. It's um, well, so to it's, put that in a commercial is weird. Yeah, it, like I think, uh, and I think it is about that time, the mid '80s, where beer commercials have just al all alcohol commercials have just gotten less and less, almost realistic. You know, not, like like I, I feel there was a time when drinking commercials 
were, were semi-realistic, or at least portrayed. Like, I remember my uncles used to drink this beer in, in Cleveland, Ohio, that was called Schaefer's. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated oh. high school yeah. in the mid-1990s, you could get a 30-pack of Schaefer's for $2. It was called a Weekender. Yeah. But their yeah. actual slogan that I do think is a very honest slogan was the one beer to have when you're having more than one. <laughs> oh, my God. Which that's is just hilarious. an admission. It's an admission that you would only yeah. binge drink us. Like that's right, the right, only right. reason we exist. You're going to a party that nobody can afford anything. Yeah. This isn't even a, a solo cup party. Old We're Milwaukee's gonna... slogan used to be um, the one beer to buy when you're buying. <laughs> like oh, in really? other words, like if you're stuck with the <laughs> purchasing for everyone, buy us, you know. And we, that, there used to be that, this kind of honesty about why you would drink beer that has all gone out the window now. Right, which I think uh, coincides with the rise of rehabs. And uh, <laughs> they're just like, yeah, let's not encourage that. Because yeah. uh, I, I think the beer that, that we used to get was – there was a beer called Huber. Okay. And um, – like Lion and Kugel was uh, is now some sort of hipster beer, but um, but Lion and Kugel used to be like six fifty for uh, a case, mm-hmm. uh, and that included the bottle deposit. And then, but Huber was something like four fifty a case, and that included the bottle deposit, a <laughs> dollar twenty in bottle deposit, a nickel yeah. bottle. Um, so. That so. What about the one on Clark and Wilson? Oh, uh, that is. Oh, I love Wrigleyville North. I think it's is Clark Max and, and Friends or Oh Max, Max and Friends. No, that I'm sorry. That is Clark and Wilson. Yes, I apologize. Yeah. It's just north of there. That is still there, I believe. I went by there like last month. I used to live by that, and I used to like that. And okay, there, there's many aspects I like about that. But one of the things how you know you're in a dive bar that always would happen. I would always notice this at Max and Friends is the bartenders don't trust any of their customers. <laughs> like, right. They're, okay. they're, they're checking every – Max's and Friends would check f- every bill above a single for counterfeit. Like they, they wouldn't even believe that their customers could have a five on them. Oh, my God. That's insane. And they would uh, – like, like if one of them had to go leave uh, to the restroom – they would have somebody else like watch all the customers just for even a short break because they they were they just honestly thought that like, everyone was going to bum rush the bar and take wow. all the product. Like there was just this total level of distrust, which I loved about that bar. That is amazing. Um, they also there's... had like weird. Another thing you'll see with like dive bars is um, they would have weird like off market sports paraphernalia like they they were so cheap they wouldn't be willing to pay for officially licensed like chicago socks posters and all that okay so everything would be like a little bit off you you know right because it was paved to have a white Sox poster in your bar you don't i don't don't think you have to pay any extra you just have to be willing to go buy an actual white Sox yeah to buy it you know (laughs) So they're like just a poster of baseball. It's yeah, great. Like, yeah, exactly. It would and be so, like like almost like stock image or something like that. And then they would write something about the socks. And okay. They, yeah, they're just just a, a weird. I and the conversations were so great there. Like just the weirdness you would hear. I uh, I remember one guy distinctly walking in, and um, you know, the cool thing about a dive bar is they'll let you kind of walk in however you – whatever makes you comfortable makes us comfortable. Like they're, they're almost all dog friendly. Almost every do- dive bar I've been to <laughs> will allow dogs. <laughs> and this guy walks in with a dog and the guy behind the bar is like, oh, man, what kind of dog is that? And, and the guy goes, canine. And he goes, canine. I've heard of those. <laughs> Great kind of dog. I just – like you just always hear weird stuff like that. That's a great line. The uh, the one time I w- had to go into a bar with a dog, uh, I told my brother I would dog sit. So I went and I did a, a weekend. No, it was a one nighter in Deco- in North Dakota. Okay. And I couldn't leave the dog in the motel because they wouldn't let me. And I couldn't leave the dog at the car because it was winter. So I was like, can I bring the dog in? And the bar was like, because it was just a one nighter. So it was mm-hmm. just a, this town has maybe maybe three four thousand people in it and uh everyone's in this bar for the comedy night mm-hmm. on a friday and i come in and i'm like can i bring the dog and they're like yes please bring the dog <laughs> and then everyone and somebody said what kind of dog that's a new dog we've never seen that dog around here is that a new dog and uh, i was <laughs> like 
they said what kind of dog it was. So I was like, it's a pound dog. It's a mutt. I yeah. don't know. We got it at the pound. And um, but yeah, those and they I, were people were adorable with the dog. Yeah, and I think that's great that uh, I, dogs have to have the time of their lives in bars, you know, because everyone loves seeing drunks love petting dogs. Like yep. you know, oh, you want belly rubs? You know, like yeah, yeah. they never get bored of a dog's attention. Free pretzels. Free. You know, this is this is a dog that is will throw up later because uh, that dog yes. has been given beef jerky <laughs> or maybe even a pickled egg. You don't know. You don't know. There could be a pig foot. Uh, so. And now, you know, every bar in Chicago is is moving towards like outside pat like that. You know, I said something that was bad about covid, which was the loss of tactile menus. One thing right. that is good about covid is we let everyone have outdoor space. Like it used to be a really like arduous process with the city of Chicago to have an outdoor cafe outside of your bar. But right. during COVID, like they removed a lot of those barriers and everybody has an outdoor cafe, which means everybody's dog friendly, which I, I think is great. But I think I really feel dive bars were at the forefront of all of this. <laughs> Very much so. And it's I because Minneapolis also has more street like street eating mm-hmm. like like there's it bleeds out into the into the parking spaces mm-hmm. which is fine and then it's february and you're like can i make love to that outdoor heater yeah. you're like yes you can but they you know then they close it in and during the lockdown or right after the lockdown when everybody you know we're still getting covid mm-hmm. but uh took a test this morning negative nice. anyway so um but they were they were you know in the winter cities of the world Mm -hmm. they were putting up windbreaks so that people didn't freeze to death while they ate a sandwich and um but then also trapping in all of our air (laughs) yeah so then you wonder why aren't you just inside at that point but i've even seen in chicago they have for the winter like almost like these mini epcot centers it's like a like a dome that oh, will right. just fit like a family of four inside it. Right, they'll make little tiny, like yeah. little pods. And it looks kind of cool because it looks almost like a Santa's village when you see like twenty of them, like in right. a parking lot. So like that part looks kind of cool. But at that point, it's like, well, I mean, I get maybe the thought is okay. We know we're all negative with COVID, so yeah. we won't catch it because we're isolated. I get that must be the thought. I'm always like, well, at that point, I just want to go into the bar and meet new people if I'm. Oh right, because you know. you're a social animal. Um, uh, yeah, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. It's a. By the way, uh, Sean Bear Flannery. Yes. Bear is spelled B-A-I-R. It's at Sean F- Bear Flannery everywhere you want to go. You wrote a book, and we're going to plug that book right now. Places I can't return to. This is also. It makes me think about dive bars. Uh, a lot of dive places, bars in the book. Is there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, but places is that available now at? It uh, is available. Uh, it's available at my website. All the links to buy each version, whether it's audio, digital, or paperback, are all right. available at seanbearflannery.com. Uh, okay. And yeah, it's a book. Uh, some of it is drinking story. It's actually a book that breaks into thirds, and okay. each chapter is a place I can't go back to, and then okay. I intermix like the history of the city with the story. So like there's a lot of historical asides and all that, but about a third of them are jobs I can't go back to. A third of them are just places from my childhood that don't exist, like in their kind of family. So like I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family and um, Mm -hmm. a third of them are dive bar stories where the bars are just gone. Right, right. Um, Are there actual towns you can't return to? Like an entire. I, no, I don't think there's any towns I'm not welcome right, at. So, right, right. like, I, it's like, like they're I, not going to give yeah. you the key to the city, but you could come. <laughs> you could show yeah. up. That's a good way to explain how I travel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just keep it together. Keep yeah. it in your pants this time. All right, thank you. Um, okay, yeah, and then you had just mentioned Wrigleyville North, which is Sheridan and Grace. I think. Yes, that is a great dive bar. Now, what the sign? This is another sign. These are all. Everything I'm going with here is these are signs for you to know you're in a dive bar. And Wrigleyville okay. North has something that most almost all dive bars have where they're, it's almost impossible to find. Like there's zero signage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like people have been in you there. but they know. You got to yeah, know. People have been in there, but they nobody actually ever learned the name while visiting. Like nothing's branded inside. Like the menus don't have any of the like the bar's name or anything like that. Um, and Wrigleyville North was hilarious because not only did it not have a sign, it was at this weird intersection where Sheridan, which is a north-south north, north south street for 90% of its 
distance uh, for one block turns into an east-west street, and then it goes back to north-south. It was at that intersection. So it, it was technically at the intersection of Sheridan and Sheridan. Okay. <laughs> so you would try to explain this to people, like, where's Wrigleyville North? And you're like, it's it's at Sheridan and Sheridan. And and nobody would believe me because it is such a small dive bar right next yeah. to Wrigley Field. And millions of people walk by it each day and never even notice it. And people right. would be like, they treated me like, Flannery, this is a mirage. Like, you think you went into a dive bar. You're, you're like, you're telling me there's a dive bar at Sheridan and Sheridan right next to Wrigley Field, and there's just no way it exists. Right. Oh, that's so weird. Um, and I think some of our best times happen at places where you almost can't ex- explain where you were at. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, there are many places that I can't explain where I was at, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> doesn't mean, mean it was. Yeah, they weren't flagged yeah, correctly. It's uh, I think other people could have explained exactly where I was at, but I didn't. Uh, I was trying to ride a bicycle without Jane, so um, th- it's all sort of problems there. But um, I like the idea that difficult to explain makes me wonder about dive bars. The dive bars that I've been in to do stand up in the last twenty odd years, mm-hmm. you're always like. Did you set out to create a dive bar or did you go into business to have a bar and then just get bored and just let it kind of deteriorate? And you're like, I'm just going to hang out with Larry and whoever Larry brings and it's going to be fine. I have, Jackie, I have always wondered that. I have always wondered that and I've debated that with friends and everything. And I I think right now I lean towards no one tries to open a dive bar (laughs) and that they were probably successful at a certain time in their but but then a sign broke and they didn't have the money <laughs> to fix it or and then something else broke and they didn't have the money to fix it and what you're just looking at is 30 years of financial shortcomings right. yeah bring a wire hanger i got to hang this thing back up <laughs> and uh, you're like okay <laughs> have you ever met adam burke who's a chicago comic yes. he, he does yes. a lot of npr shows he and i were at a dive bar uh, a few months ago, he actually edited my book, and uh, okay. we were at a dive bar. It's actually called, um, I think, is it, it? It's called something like the Camp or okay. something like that, and it's on Cicero Avenue in Chicago. And it, it's this dive bar that's themed after a ski lodge. And, and when you go in there, it's all wood. <laughs> but anyways, as we're talking, like we're one of ten people in there, we realize like the owner. We're meeting the owner, and then he's like, "Oh, I bought it off." Tommy down there. And then we're talking to Tommy. He's like, Tommy's like, oh, I bought it off Willie down there. And then we're talking to Willie. And we realized we were the only people in this bar who hadn't owned it in the last 20 right. years. <laughs> so I think these, I think bar, dive bars, you just sell them to another regular to like right. get rid it's of them. Another regular who has always wanted it to be called Stumble In. <laughs> you know, you're just like, I'm changing the name. That's the first thing I'm doing. I'm going to pick. Every, yeah, I'm going to take all of my money, all $300, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to buy a new sign, <laughs> and it's going to be called Left Field or whatever, you know? <laughs> Stumble in is great. That's a that's a good one. That's there's. I like to drive around Milwaukee and look at the names of bars. Oh. I like to drive around Wisconsin yeah. and look at the names yeah. of bars because people are uh, – the winter is long. People mm-hmm. are lonely. They got, they got yeah. some time on their minds. They're going to – I think I'm going to change it to, you know, it's going to be a, uh, it was, there was a, there was a gay bar in Minneapolis called the ballpark. And I was like, oh, subtle, <laughs> subtle. <laughs> so, but I do love the names of Oh, they're bars. great. It is. It's the only thing I can get my husband to do when we drive around Milwaukee. Cause he's always like, it's kind of sad here. And I'm like, <laughs> well, why don't you invest in something, then make it less sad. He could get um, a happy bar named. Right. Or we can drive around and look at the names of bars and, yeah. and laugh <laughs> and laugh and laugh. So, well, Milwaukee's uh, the best city. You know, in my book, I, you know, I, I mentioned how I intersperse a lot of times the history of different cities and so on. And uh, I, I end up, there's a chapter essentially on Milwaukee. And um, it was fascinating to read Milwaukee's history. Did you know when Milwaukee was – so Milwaukee still, as you probably know, has the highest bar-to-person ratio of any um, city is in America. That, is that still happening? That is still happening. That well, is still happening. Well, we've had that – We've had that for I I yeah I was weaned on Pabst and Hohos, my friend. So I <laughs> and when know. it was incorporated though, it was as low as I believe nine to one. 
n- nine people for every bar. Like that that's insane. Yeah. That's nuts. But maybe in the 19th century, it's like you you got banned from so many places that you're like, oh, well, I can't go to Stumble Inn anymore. So I got to go. So they needed nine to one ratio. I don't know. Right, the next block over. You know, in a lot of cities, like in the city of South Milwaukee, there, are, there used to be three bars surrounding my grade school. And in a lot of cities, there's a law that you can't have like liquor yeah, stores and bars. Within a, really so many close. Seat, yeah. Right. That is yeah. not. So there used to be a bar called the steeple chase or the steeple something. And, uh, and then there was a bar across the way that was just had somebody's name like Al's. Uh-huh. And then there was a bar on the, on the kitty corner across from the park, there was the school. And then there was the, the woods, Ross and woods right next door. And then across from that was another bar. And then next to across the street of the steeple was a liquor store. And all the teachers would come out of school and go to the steeple. <laughs> And then, then they would go to the liquor store, and then they would go home. Then they would come to school. Then they would go to the steeple. Then they go to the liquor store. Then they go. Home. Oh my gosh! It was, uh, yeah, it was really. Now, you had you ever heard? And I've told this story before too. But who? There's nine hundred episodes, you guys. Uh, yeah. Who knows if you've heard this one? Rangers of the Dork Forest. So, Chicago Fire. A lot of the breweries in Chicago burned mm-hmm. down, and. All of the railroads in the country, in the northern part of the country, would end up in Chicago, refill, turn around, go back to the coasts. Mm-hmm. And that's how it worked. So the beer that made Milwaukee famous, uh, which I think was Schlitz, was that old That Milwaukee? is absolutely correct. After the okay. Chicago fire. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they didn't have any beer. So they had to send to Milwaukee for beer. And that's when... The I mean, it was 1861, Yeah, and I can't yeah. remember the name of the owner of Schlitz, but he brought railroad cars worth of beers down to give to displaced Chicago, which I love that, that that's like his first instinct. <laughs> He's like, you know what? People are, don't have enough beer down there. And, uh, and plus, it's in lieu of food. And uh, somebody I just saw on, on Jeopardy the other day, because my mother-in-law lives with us now and we watch Jeopardy, Okay, uh, that the guy who founded Guinness – patented his his beer yeah. in 17 whatever or 16 whatever for 9000 years <laughs> he was like yeah this is uh, going to be mine it could be public after 9000 years i did so not know that bill guinness i don't know what the hell that's his name hilarious was, but it's going it to was... be pretty popular <laughs> so i don't i don't want to give it up too soon exactly and uh turns out it all worked out for him and and his descendants and everybody. So oh my god, that's great. Do, do you yeah. know what I just learned about Guinness that I thought was fascinating? Is so I've known before, and I, I've heard many people also repeat this. You know that Guinness, the beer company, also owns Guinness World Records. That they they Is publish that-, that book, and they've been publishing it for over a hundred years. And I've I've also heard before, and I've heard many people say that it was essentially created to give to tavern owners when they bought a keg of Guinness to settle bar debates. So you could say like, no, the tallest person. So it was like a 19th century Google. Really? But this is like the part that I just learned, like within the last week that I, I found hilarious. The reason why the head of Guinness, I don't know if it's the same guy who opened the 9,000 year uh, patent or not, but the reason where he came up with this idea is he would do like a yearly sales conference where all his top, salespeople would like meet at some like estate in Ireland and they would like pigeon shoot and talk about strategies for selling Guinness. And they all come back to this like CEO and he's like, all right, what do you got for me? He's like, oh, I got to love with you, boss. And I get apparently the head guy missed a pigeon and they spent the whole week arguing about how fast a pigeon was and they got nothing done. And the CEO had an idea. We got to come up with a book to settle these <laughs> debates or like the Irish are never going to get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did not know that the beer company Guinness started the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes. And it, re- it really I would have said, and this would be anecdotal. I'm making this anecdote mm-hmm. up as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was started that the people of Guinness is that they were sitting in a bar hammered and they just said <laughs> how fast can you run yeah. to go get me a sandwich and back or whatever and uh he's like you know jimmy can do it faster i don't mm-hmm. think you know this and he's like 
All right. I, I, I got this. Elizabeth has her bike. Bike's not allowed. You're like, who's making the rules? Well, it turns out this bear is on me. And, uh, and that, that's how I would have wanted that. To have well, you're started. not too far so, off. Not I too mean, far you're, off. Because I your bet you they were right. drinking. Yes. Yeah. They, they were probably drinking at the time. I, used to, I mean, I used to read that as a kid. I used to be fascinated by those kind of like little, I used to be fascinated with baseball stats and like those Guinness yeah, stats. There, there was a, there was a certain time and I, I lasted maybe a month, but mm-hmm. uh, there was there's some more analytical minds that I was surrounded by that were eight to eleven years old that would just rabbit hole completely yeah. into like numbers and numbers and numbers. And if you think about uh, fantasy baseball, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Pardo did uh, the Dork Forest about fantasy baseball, and he called it fantasy accounting. And I don't know <laughs> if he wrote that, but he's right. Yeah, like, and, totally. Yeah. I mean, you're clocking in. I mean, it's a job. Right, no. you you have to pay attention yeah. to exactly what's going on absolutely everywhere. So that is uh, that is kind of fascinating. What about this one on twenty sixth and Wentworth? That one, Wally's, unfortunately, uh, I believe closed just Apple's before party. locked. Oh no, that's Ethel's party. All right, I got the addresses mixed. Oh, Ethel's party. Yeah. Ethel's party might be open. Ethel's party <laughs> was a completely illegal bar, so it was never licensed by the city. At one okay. point, it was a, a, a so at one point it was a funeral home, and it would get like you'd get some strangers that would come in because it was considered to be one of the most haunted bars in Chicago. Okay, yeah, yeah, because it was a funeral home. Yeah, they were dealing with the dead. <laughs> do you at get? All do you guys get? You, I'm sure they have ghost tours in. I know they have to have ghost tours in Los Angeles. I'm sure. Um, my friend Karen Rontowski, a uh, big ghost fan and a conspiracy. Fan of a conspiracy, she will she will put that flag on the pole and raise it herself. And uh, I love her dearly, uh, and she's a great comic, like a really mm-hmm. great joke writer. But um, she does think that there are a lot of ghosts in the world, so she would know that. I don't know it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a modestly big subculture in Chicago, okay. and there's like five bars that are known haunted bars in Chicago, <laughs> and this was one of them. This also I lacked- like that nobody's like picking like a gym. You know what's haunted? <laughs> this gym where I should go work out. Well, I, no. I mean, I, that's probably because everyone's drunk in a bar. So things that would have an explanation everywhere else, like you attribute right. to a ghost in a bar. Exactly. And there's like, let's go do some research. I understand that uh, this uh, this uh, this place where I can uh, chop vegetables and feed, I don't know, people who are hungry for a long time. It might be haunted. No, we're not going there. But I yeah. also heard that this place that has Jägermeister on tap. <laughs> that place is haunted. Let's go check that out. <laughs> Sold. Um, so yeah, you would you would sometimes get, uh, and those would be the only strangers that would walk in. It, it would be uh, mostly regulars, but it was the most weirdly and greatly illegal bar I've ever been to. So it was on the border of Chinatown, um, Bridgeport, and like this section of like housing projects. So it was like the most diverse. It would there would only be like. 15 people in there, yeah. but it, everyone had a totally different background, like just wildly different background. And that was right, pretty right, right. cool about it. Yeah. And then there would be like these like random wrestling matches would break out uh, and like feats of strength, <laughs> uh, like just old drunk guys, like arm yeah. wrestling and stuff that would never fly at a real bar was yeah. always allowed here. But there was a nail gun. There was Wait. a nail gun. They were always doing weird construction. There'd be like boiling liquids. Uh, <laughs> like they were, they were always like working on the bar while that it is... was open. Wow. Which again, is... I think is because it's illegal. Like I don't think you can. I mean, you shouldn't right. be doing construction around drunks. Like, like if you actually care about your people. establishment or people. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. And the weird thing is, is maybe that's their cover. Like if the cops come in, they're like, this oh. actually, this actually is just a party. These we're, are my employees, uh, right? These are we're we're actually they're helping me build things, and we're having a party while we while we build things. Maybe it was. I always wondered how they. I just assumed they paid off the cops, but I always wondered how they. Um, I'm told that's an attainable like goal as well. Yeah, especially so. in Chicago. But what I loved it's it's dive bar feature that I loved, and we we were alluding to this a little bit earlier, but it was just everyone was a hilarious liar. Just impossible. Like they would say one guy, one guy there claimed he knocked out Bobby Hall in his prime, like the great hockey player who was like known as one of the toughest hockey players of all time. Like they would all make they wouldn't claim like a normal liar might say like, oh, I'm a 
you know, I got a blue belt in karate or something. Yeah. Like, but they would claim, no, I knocked out like the toughest Chicagoan of all. And they would all make weird claims like that. <laughs> My brother Russ once said that uh, Batman was our uncle and Robin was our cousin. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's the kind you? of lie. Oh, he was like eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I those kind of lies, like childish lies. Childish as an adult. lies as a grown up person. Yeah. Just going, I don't know if you know this. But yeah. I was once Miss America. What? <laughs> yes. Yes. A lot of people don't. I was and like, they, you know, you I ever have known? a phone. See, you, yeah. <laughs> they act like, you know, you're not going to look it up. Now, I will say some of these people just don't live in the technology world, so they don't know right. that. But they'll also, like, they always prefix it with, and I feel like you can always know you're with a liar when they say this. They'll say something ridiculous. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I never told you that. And like, like they're, they're sort of surprised <laughs> it never came up. And it's because they're making it up on the spot, you know? Right. They're they're vamping for time. She's <laughs> uh, like, oh, really? I never never told you that. Like, scrolling. Uh, my father actually has more than once, uh, maybe just once. And let's cut him some slack. One time he told me that I should make up awards. For okay. stand-up comedy. He was like, well, just tell them that you were, you know, the 2012 oh. funniest person in Paris. And I was like, Dad, you can't just make up awards. And he's like, yeah, you can. Tell them you got it in France. And I was like, they have the internet in France, Dad. Got it in France. And he said, I promise you no one checks. And I'll tell you, remember Steve Ranazzisi? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he told people for 20 years that he was in a tower at 9-11. Yeah. So, yeah. and still works. Yeah. So nobody gave a shit. In, I, and, I'm kind of with your dad. <laughs> yeah, so is Steve, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not necessarily with your dad that it's the right career move. I agree with him that I don't think, I don't think the bookers at Yuck Yucks is actually doing Providence on right, all the right. resume they, checks, you know. Right, right, they're not... Yeah, the the checking of the providence. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing it. But I will say that it felt like I mean to to if that's how I'm gonna. It's weird. It's yeah. a weird thing to tell your child. Just tell them lies. Yeah, and I mean we. It is funny how. I mean I'm. I feel my all dad us doesn't comics, even drink too. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, that's just a sober advice. We uh, yeah. we all get weird <laughs> advice from people like that. You know. Like, right. well, just, you know, send Sarah and I live a tape, you know? Yeah. Just right. send have them a tape. Have, have you called NBC? Have you yeah. called them? And I was like, what, uh, what, what do you mean? And there's, of course, that, that old joke that's been massaged a thousand times. I got a deal with HBO 12 months for $11 yeah. a month or whatever. Like, it's some sort of variation on that. Like, I got a, it's Netflix, it's whatever it is. Anyway, um, yeah. So I like the idea. The, uh, the like you even quoted like a helicopter story. One guy, it was one of the funniest lies I've ever heard. Is he claimed that he outran a police? So in Montana had, I don't know if this is still true. At the time, Montana had no speed limit. And That's you could right. Drive whatever you want. Um, but he and it claimed was, and it was ten dollars. If if, oh, yeah? if they thought you were driving, because I've heard any number of comics okay. uh, talk about how uh, they get pulled over, they're like, "You're actually unsafe. We're going to give you a ten dollar fine," and that's it. Um, <laughs> that's it. And any number of comics would hand the cop a hundred and go race you to the border. So uh, and so yeah. So that's funny because I I'm glad you told me that because I always wondered why this guy. So he this guy this liar claimed yeah. that he was going so fast in Montana, they decided it was unsafe. And okay. so he claims that like 10 uh, state highway patrol cars are behind him, starts at the eastern parts of the state. They all run out of gas, says a helicopter, <laughs> then comes up, says he outruns the helicopter, makes it to, is it Washington, Idaho? What's, I'm failing the my U.S. State What's the yeah. next state west? He makes it to the next state. He says... <laughs> He says there's a line of cops block like a blockade, like Smokey oh, and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. He gets past the state line. He says the the Idaho cop or whatever state he's in walks up, shakes his hand. <laughs> he says, I want to shake the hand of a man that outrun a police helicopter. Uh, and he claims this is a 100% true story. That guy is 100% lying. 100%. <laughs> I don't even believe he owns a car. Uh, that guy... <laughs> <laughs> that guy is so full of it, I can't even. 
But I love those kind of lies. I you know, and and mm-hmm. I even love it when a a, a pub, like a person that should have a team of publicists makes those kind of lies. Like Will Chamberlain, I don't know. Like Will Chamberlain's book is hilarious. Like Will Chamberlain's book is all those kind of lies. I forget what it was called, but like Will Chamberlain didn't he say he slept with a million women or he something? Slept, he claimed he slept with like thirty thousand women. It's like people have crunched the numbers. It's just impossible at a time managed. Like there's no way he could have done it while not playing enough, in that many not games. Minutes in the day, <laughs> right? He said he beat Bobby Fischer in chess. Um, or no, no, not chess. I'm sorry. He said it was checkers. He said. Like Bobby Fisher wouldn't play me in basketball and I wouldn't play him in chess. So I beat him in checkers like there. You know, there's no way that's true. And he like he also made a claim that he drove from New York to L.A. in something like like 17 hours or something like that straight. You know, but yeah, he had all these hilarious lies. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is. um yeah, that I mean, that's pathological. Sometimes the lying is is uh, is so pathological, but at least if you're drunk, you can go. Well, I was drunk. Yeah, and then exactly. I said, I don't know if you know this, but I once juggled dogs, <laughs> and you're like, you didn't, you didn't juggle dogs. Yeah. No dogs are allowing you to do that. Well, and I kind of find were dropping dogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> like pathological lie, you you don't want people like that in your life you know obviously but i (laughs) that's why i don't go to dive bars they're kind of fascinating (laughs) to talk to you know just like i have no 45 minutes to an hour 15 that's what i got for yeah the lack of repercussion estimates you know and (laughs) i i was at a wedding a few years ago and it was in chicago and i was outside and we're waiting for the bride and groom to come out and I'm, i'm talking to like one of the other i I haven't met him before, but he recently married one of my friends. And I heard heard rumors that people didn't like him, but I, you know, I was like, oh, I'll keep an open mind. I've never talked to him before. And I was like, hey, how's your day going? He's like, oh, it's crazy. You didn't hear what happened? And I'm like, no, what happened? He's like, well, we're, we were walking here and uh, a train, uh, a crane, a construction crane fell over and killed 10 people. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like on the way here, like, yeah, I'm like, How'd you get it? Like, you're not a witness or anything like that? He's like, no, they told us they had enough wit. And I'm like, oh, my God. So then I, you know, we go about our separate ways. And at the reception, I mentioned to somebody, I'm like, yeah, did you hear what happened to uh, Henry over there? Like, isn't that? He's like, oh, no, it's a lie. I'm like, what? No, there's no way it could be a lie. Like, it's going to be on the news tonight. I mean, I'll know if it's a lie. Why would he? Like, I'm going to talk to his wife in a few minutes. I'll <laughs> ask. Like, there's no way. He's like, it's a lie. And it was a lie. Like, he just made that up. Like, what an insane. Like, that's wow. almost divorce from reality. It, uh, not even almost. Um, <laughs> you know, my buddy Jim Wooster did this joke for a little while. And uh, what was it? It was something about how he was at a party when he was like 30 years old. And some, he, was talking to, he was talking to different people. And he ended up talking to this very pretty woman. And he was like, uh in the course of the conversation, I guess she said, well, you know, I'm nuts. I'm like really high maintenance. And he said, well, it's been nice meeting you. And he walked away. He was like, when I turned 30, I had to let that go. Yeah. I don't want any part of whatever conscious drama that you are enjoying creating. I don't want not a chance. And uh, yeah, well, she's self-actualized. She knows what yeah. she is. She knows she's a mess, and uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's a chance for help, is what I want to say, people. And uh, yeah, this is that is nuts. Ethel's party on 26th and Wentworth. I kind of just want to go. I don't know when I'll be back in Chicago, but I really want to. Um, I like the Lincoln Lodge. By the way, I am talking with Sean Bear Flannery. He has a new book called Places I Can't Return to, and he has a podcast on Starburns called The Blackout Diaries. Um, that is hilarious. Now you should come to the Lincoln Lodge sometime. Uh, they have a new theater, and it's great. Yeah, I I think I did the Den with Bamford the last. Oh, time the I was Den's there. great too. The Den the Den's a little bit it's, uh, it's bigger, a, but yeah, right. And it was on it's on the same street, Milwaukee. That's correct. Yeah, They're very close to each other, actually. Right, just like two or three miles apart. And, correct. Um, so um, it's my favorite. I like the alt the alti stand up scene mm-hmm. in Chicago a lot better than the. Than the standard, just because um, the the clubs are 
so poorly run that at least the alt place you're just like oh you're theater nerds and yeah uh, exactly <laughs> yeah so it's run by theater nerds which i appreciate the yeah, clubs totally. are are run by you it's know. like the bouncer is also doing the sound and he's bartending you know yeah, and he actually and won't bounce when somebody gets too drunk <laughs> nobody gets bounced and uh, so uh, <laughs> terrible so what about the four trays damon and henderson four trays is still there still a great bar uh Four trays, the signal there that you know you're in a dive bar is only dive bars have carpeting, especially in Chicago. They Ew, have shag such carpeting. such a terrible, terrible idea. Terrible idea. Uh, absolutely atrocious idea, but they have it. Uh, the four trays is actually, I compare it to like the Chrysler building of dives. It has every feature. <laughs> it may not be the best dive, but it has every feature. Like it, it's an aluminum siding uh, structure, right. so it looks okay. like a house. You You would actually think it's a house if you just drove by um <laughs> like the the bar takes up like 80 percent of the space because if you've ever noticed that in a dive bar the the actual bar usually takes up most of the space and i think that's because you don't parties don't go to a dive bar you don't go to a dive no. bar with a group of four it's single drinkers you know right right it's a row of humans yeah who are who are <laughs> leaning over to say that's bullshit <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love and, the different. Go ahead. And my other favorite is order already. I need him. <laughs> and uh, so I was in uh, Ireland and um, we were at a dive bar in Northern mm -hmm. Ireland. So like this, not a very touristy area. And there was a guy there and his version of that's bullshit is one of yeah. the best moves I've ever like, no matter what you said, he'd go, ah, you're wrong there, Sean. <laughs> Just say that for everything. <laughs> Just immediately well, dismissing everything you said. Everything you said, he would say you're wrong on. So I'm in a cab in Dublin, and um, and I'm told, and I said, uh, we drive by this giant looking kind of pub, and I was I was like, oh, I was told to go to that. And he goes, it's been a tourist trap since the 1600s. <laughs> And uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going there. I'm totally, entirely going there. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's been a tourist, tourist trap. Since the Second Crusade. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you felt the same. And I don't know if it's because, uh, like, I have an Irish background. I was amazed at how funny everybody was in Ireland. Like, the cab drivers and the bartenders. and Like, they were doing, like, legit gags and bits. Like, they cracked mm -hmm. me up. I was I was there doing stand up and there was an Irish comic who was doing a lot of local stuff and he was God, I wish I could remember his name because and he's famous and doesn't need me to remember his name. It's not like he needs the Dork Forest bump. Uh, but uh, he was so genuinely funny. Everybody else, we went we went to like a Viking museum. Um, we didn't really go to anywhere where anybody was, you know, kind of riffing with us. Mm -hmm. uh, I mostly hung out with comics who I. I expect to be uh, relatively hilarious yeah, and uh, at least interesting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but everyone else I talked to, you know, and then, then we did drive down um, to Cork County cause um, I, I don't know. And then we went to Galway. Anyway, we, we went on a thing and everybody gotcha. was, was, I didn't notice that everybody was riffing all the time, everybody, mm -hmm. but I, we weren't in bars. We were in literally one tourist. There was one tourist place where the woman, it, she was at work and it was not a great day at work. She was like, I'm sick of you people. And, uh, and I was like, fair enough. I used to work in the tourist <laughs> industry in Cape Cod. This isn't, it isn't fun. I did. I worked in the Dells for a summer. You're not oh wrong. Oh my God. The Dells. I'm a, right. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm the enemy yeah. uh, here. Just take some money and I'll, Go away with nothing. How about that? I hope your yeah. day gets better. So, but they, it was, everybody was pretty funny. Yeah. In my trip, like everyone and just their mannerisms and everything and the way they would like kind of like get in fun, or they would also just do like funny mood. Like, uh, like we met in, in Northern Ireland. It, it's funny. You meet a lot of tough people, you know, like uh -huh. they had a, like, especially the older people, they had a tough upbringing and it, it would be funny because yeah. you meet this guy who's huge and tough. And invariably, his best friend would be the tiniest, most joyful man <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and they were almost like cartoons, you know? Like, Have like you ever the big... read a comic called The Goon? No. You should read a comic called The Goon because that's that 
the oh, goon really? is a giant, very stern, and his and his tiny, tiny friend, who and they live in a town that is full of the most you would love. I think it's Mike Magnola. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to write that gra- down right yeah, now. Yeah, graphic novel. Anyone okay. there? Each one is self self uh, contained tra- graphic novels. Okay. A story of the goon, and some of them are arcs. But if you get any of them, you'll get this. You'll get it. And it's beautifully drawn. He's actually a really good artist. And um, but that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to check he, that out. It feels like he is sort of a giant old, you know, old Irish or old Scottish, you know, sort of eh, Irish. I think is the is uh-huh. the trope. I think they're going with for sure. Okay, I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you. You're welcome. And um, yeah, I so so that the four trays has. Has all the things you say? It, it kind of has all. It doesn't do anything great, but it has all the things. It's got the carpeting. It's, it's got the carpeting, explain. the aluminum siding. The other thing is like there's just scattered random menus everywhere because dive bars never have kitchens. They never, never, ever, ever, ever have kitchens. Actually, you know, I that brings up another thing. I my favorite dive bar in Akron, Ohio, used to be this okay. bar that is no longer open. But when I went to the University of Akron, it was there. It was called Mitch's Lounge. And it had, unlike most dive bars, and this had a huge sign, and it said Mitch's Lounge and Restaurant. And I never once, my one buddy claims that one time a cook showed up while we would go there every <laughs> Friday and every Saturday, like afternoon, and we right. never once saw the kitchen open. And okay. but he said like every once in a blue moon a, a cook just would show up and start making food. But you just ha- you had to be there <laughs> at the time he decided right. to show up. Wow! But I think that goes back to our original point where like I think that probably opened as an actual restaurant, and they probably didn't intend to open a dive bar. And yeah. just, like they had a harder time like ordering the food and staffing, and it just slowly slowly morphed into, into- a dive bar. Right, you're just like I know how to order the booze. I need to order the booze, <laughs> so that's ordered for sure. What do you want to eat? I'm gonna have a jar of pickled pig knuckles. You want that? <laughs> you want an egg? Uh, there is a dive bar in my neighborhood in Van Nuys that is. I mean, it, it, it had to have started this. I mean, why would you name a bar the Liquid Zoo? <laughs> and not want people to be nuts yeah. inside of it. And they have an open mic and there's just like, but I do like a dive bar that is aspired to something. My mother who passed away when I was very young, um, she used to go to a dive bar in South Milwaukee called Frenchies. Okay. And it just, it always made me think, and it was pre Greece. Like All that right. bar started, I think in like the sixties. Okay. And um, so it wasn't like, but I think it was trying to be like ooh la la. Yeah, <laughs> South, like fancy. South Milwaukee fancy. Uh-huh. But it was it just had a couple of pool tables and it was a golden opportunity to give a four year old a maraschino cherry. <laughs> anyway, uh, a great sign of a dive bar for me is if someone has brought their children. And uh you're just like, What are your kids doing? They're gonna sit and stare at my phone in that in that place yeah well it's then, easier to bring them now you can give them electronics i suppose <laughs> right right well and what i just did was i would just spit on the on the uh because it was pre yeah. yeah i would just spit on the thing and then wander over <laughs> and then wander back spin yeah yeah and, and then drink a lot of s- sprite with uh with maraschino cherries in it anyway uh and then we would toddle off to a, a, the greasiest diner in the whole wide world called lloyd's lunch uh, and that did not serve beer, much, I'm sure, to everyone's chagrin, because they could have cut out the middleman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sean, I don't know if kids yeah. would like going to dive bars or not. Like, on the upside, the bartender's going to let you have as much soda as you want. You right. know, if they have desserts, they'll probably let you have as much. Of, I mean, you're policing yourself. I tell this story every time I have someone on the dork forest who, who, who makes me think of it. Augie Smith. Do you know the stand-up comic, Augie Smith? Yes, yeah. Okay, so when he was a child... Him and his older brother would go with his dad here in the Los Angeles area mm-hmm. to the dive bar, to the bar. And they would sit in the car. And one time they sat in the car and bar time came and the bartender came out and put his dad in the passenger side and said, just let him sleep it out. And then you guys, you know, just crash in the car. Okay. And Augie's older brother made Augie drive them home. So Augie was nine. His brother oh my was 11. God. His dad, it was a stick. 
His dad <laughs> was a drunk in the in the passenger side. They're on the 405, which what? is a major, yeah. Oh my god. Going 30, 35 miles an hour. <laughs> and I don't know if it's on one of a, one of his albums, but the story is epic. And he they get pulled over. Like mm-hmm. people were whizzing by all sure. that until they yeah. saw it was a chidey child. Then they're like, ah! and so finally they get pulled over and the cop like, like starts hitting his dad just to wake him up. He's like, why, why are, yeah. what is happening? And his dad and the cop, I guess the punchline is the cop asked his dad, why was the younger kid driving? And, uh, and his dad, I guess may or may not have said, well, obviously, cause the older one can't drive a stick. <laughs> and uh so <laughs> but don't bring your children to a dive bar you guys uh and if you yeah, need not to a dive bar. there's too many bars that are kid friendly now there's, there's a no David busters i went with augie and his wife and their ch- three children to dave and busters the other night yeah and um and that was and jewel and augie by the way having soda and Julie having a glass of wine and it was the oldest child's birthday it was actually the two two kids birthday the the baby uh anyway it, it's a dive bar it's a Chuck E. Cheese for grown-ups Dave and Buster's it's great so yeah it's it's loud um mm-hmm. and so but Sean Blair Flannery it has been an hour you should know oh it has okay <laughs> yeah. great and we got through all of your dive, favorite dive bars and uh and I should probably tell people where to go for help if they think they have a drinking problem <laughs> but uh you you'll know you'll know you don't need me to yeah, yeah sometimes they yeah. find you Right, exactly. And sometimes it's court ordered. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for doing the show, Sean Flannery. And it's Sean Bear Flannery on all the things. Uh, It'll be in the notes. Places I Can't Return to is the book. The Blackout Diaries is the podcast. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you so much, Jackie. I've had a blast. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, (laughs) my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?